0: Welcome to self security Chet Chat, episode 98 for September the 17th, 2012. I'm Chester Wisniewski, and my guest again this week is Paul Ducklin. Welcome back, Paul. Hello, Chester. Happy spring. Yeah, it's good to, to see the transition of the seasons. That's why the Chet Chat is back. I had a little bit of a hiatus at the end of the North American summer. This week was Patch Tuesday, or I guess last week was Patch Tuesday, technically. And um, the, I guess the good news is there's not a heck of a lot to worry about. Uh, the only real vulnerabilities that Microsoft fixed this Patch Tuesday were a, a flaw in the Visual Studio Web Services and another flaw in the SCCM or SMS uh, software delivery products. Uh, Adobe released some fixes as well, although some of them were slightly pre-released in the at the end of August because of uh, critical vulnerabilities that were being fixed and things like Flash. But there are some Flash Cold Fusion and Photoshop fixes out there for Adobe users, so if you haven't already applied those, um, I would apply those with some urgency. The flash ones are are known to be exploited in the wild. What's more interesting is that Microsoft is is actively communicating about an update they're going to release in October for Windows, which is going to change Windows cryptographic apis where they won't accept anything that's signed with RSA key lengths less than 1,024 bits. Uh, according to their press release, they're saying, by raising the bar of our certificate requirements as part of our ongoing work to evaluate Microsoft's security efforts and make improvements, we aim to help keep a safer, more trusted internet for everyone. What's the, what's the background on this, Paul? Uh, you know, is there any real reason to panic about small certificates? Is this something everybody should take action on?
1: They seem to be saying 1024 should be an absolute minimum, You may not quite be able to crack, but you're really close to cracking smaller RSA keys. We're going to lean on everyone a bit so that they start taking cryptographic security that bit more seriously. I'm absolutely all for it. If you've got things that are signed with RSA keys smaller than 1024 bits, you should actually take a good hard look at yourself and say, how come I'm living with what you might call the sins of the past?
0: Well, and I think it's an extra good idea in that We often use these certificates for some period of time, and even if the certificate itself isn't valid, you may sign something that will live on for far beyond the life of the certificate that you used to sign it. Uh, You know, Microsoft's saying that uh, they consider 1024 to be considered a minimum length. The most up-to-date security practices recommend 2,048 bits or even better. Chester, the the only naysaying I've really heard
1: about this whole movement by Microsoft is from larger organizations that have legacy in-house applications which they signed say with a 512 or a 768 bit key some years ago and they're still using this legacy application internally and they kind of don't feel like reissuing it. If you've got an app that's so old that you signed it with a 512 bit key thinking that that provided security and you thought that security for it was important then hey if security no longer matters why don't you just reissue the app without the signature at all? a cryptographic
0: job worth doing? Is one worth doing well? Yeah, I, th- I, 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 ref- I related it in, in my story to things like WEP, where I'm like, you know, WEP seems to indicate that you knew that you had something you want to protect, but you didn't actually know enough to protect it properly. Well, I was pleased to note,
1: looking at my Google Nexus phone, that when you turn that into a Wi-Fi access point, they don't bother offering you WEP at all. They've just removed it. You have Open or WPA. And no in-between. It's the same sort of thing that Microsoft is doing here. They're saying if you care so little that you'll have a key that probably could be factored, possibly with not much effort, then
0: don't have a key at all. Which kind of leads us to another uh, cryptographic story. Uh, There's a Bitcoin exchange known as Bitfloor that uh, apparently had a little bit of a security lapse to the tune of about a quarter million dollars. Uh, you know, what, I mean, how, how do you manage to lose $250,000 worth of Bitcoins?
1: The, the chap concerned, he's a beanie-wearing youngster, Roman Stillman. And he decided, obviously, the best thing he could do with his spare time was become an unregulated retail banker. And, uh, you know, bless his cotton socks, that's what he tried and it ended up that the cryptographic material that constitutes the bitcoins that he was keeping for people, to the tune of about 250,000, got stolen. The key to the story here is that he was, by his own admission and as far as we can see, he was doing the cryptographic stuff correctly. It's just that he decided he would do a system upgrade, and he temporarily parked all this stuff that should have been kept more securely, in an area which wasn't properly protected and encrypted, while he dealt with some server upgrades. And of course, when he went to move it all back, he discovered, oh dear, someone's been in and made away with all this stuff. So it's a little bit like the physical analogue of what he did is kind of like going, you know what, I really need to go to the bathroom and I haven't got my key fob with me. So I'll just prop the server room door out and I'll rush out to the bathroom and I'll come back and I'll hope no one nips in. It's kind of the thing that many of us have probably done from time to time. You know, you just think, oh, well, for 90 seconds, two minutes, five minutes, it doesn't really matter if I'm secure for the rest of the time. The problem is that cyber crooks are watching out for those moments of opportunity. And that harks back to what we were saying earlier. If something is worth encrypting, it's worth encrypting properly. And if it's worth encrypting properly, it's worth encrypting all the time. Don't prop your server
0: room door open. It's going to end in tears. Well you heard it here folks there is no government guarantee on bitcoins. So speaking of guaranteed security uh there's a new version of the black hole exploit kit uh well we haven't seen it uh, available in the public yet but there was an announcement of version 2.0 that our own Fraser Howard uh blogged about on uh, Naked Security and and the author had some interesting some interesting comments uh didn't he?
1: Yes I love this the, It translated into English. I've developed and implemented a lot more features about which bragging and shouting in public is simply not reasonable because my competition and the antivirus companies are not asleep. In other words, he's admitting that we're knocking his threats on the head more aggressively than he might like. He's also saying, hey, I'm not going to tell you about this, which is a bit of an irony. We're not allowed to use security through obscurity because it's considered a bad idea, but the crooks are. I don't think that's fair, Chester.
0: No, definitely not. And I mean, you know, I've been doing a lot of research on the black hole stuff myself and and looking into it. I mean, he was already using a lot of, um, I guess, you know, state of the art for exploit kits and criminals, um, encryption and obfuscation techniques and and all this kind of stuff to evade web filtering and antivirus detection and all this kind of stuff. So all of that apparently wasn't enough. We've we've made it difficult. So, you know, when everybody talks about this arms race between the bad guys and the good guys, I just felt a little bit of um, a chuckle and a little bit of warmth to know that, you know, we're not necessarily losing this arms race. We're making them react to us. We're not just reacting to them. And I think that's great news.
1: And remember, he's only pre-announcing this. He's still in the marketing phase. He actually hasn't got the new one out yet. Uh, Interesting times. Let's wait and
0: see what the new one looks like and what we are going to do about it. So in addition to the black hole kit, there was some other malware in the news this week. Uh, The Nytol botnet was taken down uh, through a a court action with Microsoft. Uh, Their their digital e-crimes unit has been quite active the last year or two on trying to um, utilize, I guess, mostly the domain name system to take down the command and control of a lot of these botnets. They were able to seize a, a frequently used domain by these botnet operators that was used for command and control. Uh, How did this work? I mean, did this take down the entire botnet? I mean, are these guys out of business?
1: Not quite, Chester. Uh, Hats off to Microsoft. I'm very pleased that they've done this. My understanding is that the one particular domain that the court gave them control over uh, is 3322.org. And although that's not the entire command and control infrastructure for the NITOL malware, which we've seen tens of thousands of samples of, by the way, it does account for around about half of the command and control domains. So it doesn't save the world, but it is a good step, and I'm quite pleased that the courts in the US are prepared to do this, to say, look, this domain is being so badly abused so clearly that we're going to take it away from the people who've registered it, and we're going to give it to somebody who will actually use it to prevent traffic, which we recognize is almost certainly
0: malevolent. We've always supported the idea of raising the cost to the bad guys, right? I mean, there's been, you know, some misguided uh, thoughts on this where, you know, we're going to charge for email stamps and all this kind of stuff that I heard people propose 15 years ago. But, you know, the reality is anything we can do to to raise their cost of doing business is good for our safety, uh, just like the black hole stuff. Uh, There was other stuff in this story that I recall when I read it. Uh, You know, Microsoft was talking about a poison supply chain. And from what I read into it... uh, You know, it was kind of a pitch that, uh, you know, some retailers are pirating copies of Windows and building uh, budget PCs with illegal software. And that along the way that folks might be monetizing on that additionally by including some malware that they get paid to put on the machines as well.
1: That may well be true, but in this case, their field agents purchased 20 PCs and one of them had the NITOL malware on it. So clearly this is happening What worries me about making a big deal out of this story is it sort of implies that, hey, if you go to a reputable vendor or a reputable manufacturer or you're cautious about how you purchase stuff, then you're going to be fine. And I think that's a very dangerous assumption because when you buy something that's new from an IT point of view, a digital storage device, for example, it's only new to you. The problem is that the crooks don't even have to get involved for malware to be found on brand new stuff. Incompetence and error are perfectly acceptable explanations. And if you go back in time, we've seen Aldi, the German supermarket chain, have shipped pre-infected PCs and pre-infected hard disk drives. IBM have given out infected USB keys uh, at a security conference in Australia, no less. Uh, We've had malware on cameras from Olympus. We've had Uh, on mobile phones from samsung we've had malware
0: infected digital picture frames from a big u.s retailer yeah if i'm not mistaken even apple's pristine supply chain had been compromised and there were ipods at one point that had shipped with some malware that had gotten on them in the qa process so you know no one is really safe if uh if even the shiniest of apple assembly lines can be compromised well last story uh, is is a controversial one, I guess. It's it's apparently only controversial if you have a particular relationship with the advertising industry, but...
1: Oh, this is Microsoft
0: again, isn't it? (laughs) Yes. But they're the good guys in this one. You know, Apache this week uh, announced that they are not going to respect what's known as the Do Not Track header. If it is sent by users of the upcoming Internet Explorer 10, which will ship by default with Windows 8 and will also be available to uh, Windows 7 and Vista users, and this Do Not Track header is intended to express a user's desire to not be tracked by advertising agencies when they're surfing the internet, the the gentleman Roy Fielding, who's an employee of Adobe but is the co-founder of the Apache web server project, uh Roy submitted a ticket to Apache called Apache Does Not Tolerate Deliberate Abuse of Open Standards. Fighting words, eh? I don't quite understand all the nuances here, but I was wondering if you might walk through a little bit of this, because, you know, Microsoft seems to ask me when I'm installing Windows if I wish to turn on the Do Not Track in internet explorer option yet somehow this doesn't quite meet the requirements and i mean apache's open source right I, I'm, I'm really confused here well no more confused than i chester looking at in fact the screenshot that you
1: made from ie10 you can customize the following settings or choose the following and so you're choosing and there are seven settings listed and one of the things that you choose in express in other words you're just choosing all of these things together rather than having to click seven separate buttons. How could that be bad? And one of them is, turn on do not track in Internet Explorer. Sounds pretty clear. I I don't know what Apache wants in this case. This just seems like security buffoonery to me. So Microsoft is not presenting you with a separate dialogue that you have to make an individual choice for this do not track thing to be turned on. They're putting it among seven things which will be turned on altogether. And I think that the idea that that is a deliberate abuse of open standards is absurd. The point is that Microsoft have this express settings where it's quite clear that if you choose this option, it will turn on do not track in Internet Explorer. Uses
0: those words. Couldn't be clearer to me. Yeah, it would be hard to argue that the choice is not an informed choice. And that's really what's important in this. We've gone down a deep, dark hole, Paul, but I think that concludes this Sophos Security Chat Chat. As always, for the latest security news, visit nakedsecurity.sophos.com. For all of our podcasts, you can get them at podcasts.sophos.com, on iTunes, or via RSS feed. And until next time, stay secure. Oh, and by the way, Chester,
1: I know that you're going to be at a whole bunch of events around North America in the next while. If you're going to be at any events where we are, be sure to stop in and say hello, and you can find out where you can meet us at nakedsecurity.sofos.com events.